Hello and welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, featuring the open minded musings of two mid 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co host, Bill Scurry, as always, and I am joined by my good friend. I am Noah Tarno. Founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show. Spectacular. We are talking about a subject that has been in circulation for a good number of weeks now. We are not at the forefront. We had, we had an argument about this, didn't we? We yeah. had... Um, <laughs> You said it was a month. I said it was a week. It turns out it was two weeks. Though people it, have been talking about it for, for more than two weeks. Right. It's a discrepancy of time. Although, as I tell Noah, yeah. time occurs quicker. We have redshift faster in Europe than you do in America. So I can't be yes, faulted yes, for that. that is true. We are discussing the movie sensation that rocks the nation. We're talking about Todd Phillips' The Joker. No, it's not The Joker. It's just Joker. All right, Todd Phillips' Joker, exactly. Just Joker. Yeah. The Joker, sorry. I'm going to say The Movie Joker. It's called, the movie is called The Movie Joker. The movie is called, the movie is called Joker. The movie is called Joker. It's a 2019 cinema release by the Warner Brothers, all of them at the same time. Uh, It's an entry in their DC Comics movie lineup (laughs) featuring Shecky Green as the titular character, Joker. Uh, no, this no, movie no, 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 posits no, no. that Gotham is like 1981 New York City and essentially a Scorsesean crucible, urban hellscape, which becomes the place that births Batman's arch enemy. It is featuring uh, Quinoa Phoenix as uh, uh, the, <laughs> the. Is that my pronouncing that right, Noah? No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> he is playing a character named Arthur Fleck. Joaquin Phoenix is playing a character named Arthur Fleck, who is a wholly new creation. This uh, does not exist in any sort of continuity. It is a a fresh script, apparently off of the charnel pile of of scripts. This is directed by Todd Phillips, who is best known for his um, documentary on Gigi Allen called Hated. Uh, which yes, is his... I gotta watch that. You haven't watched it. Have no, you? I haven't. I haven't watched it. Too. Oh, okay, but that's his biggest he's best credit. known for his that. best known for his biggest credit so far. Yeah, yeah. I, this thing is in the ether. Um, it's still vibrating the pipes a little bit. I think that me and Noah, hopefully, in discussing this, have something a little different to talk about because we don't give necessarily movie reviews. That's not our thing. We're not a movie review podcast, even though you know the content kind of gets heavy movie movie alert. I like to think that there's something else cultural that we can we can punch into because this is almost become mimetic if we've proven anything it's that we are good at two things eating acai bowls and talking about memes with that i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna ask noah because he saw it fresh i saw it when it came out the opening weekend it opened up in the states and europe on the same day noah just saw it recently somehow managed to i saw it last night yeah last night the paint is the joker paint the grease paint is still wet as it were no what what are your what are your initial thoughts tell me about the movie tell me about what you think i think we gotta clarify for the 10 percent of our listenership who don't know us personally. Uh, We are both, uh, you know, comic book geeks, I think it's fair to say, since childhood. And so, you know, we have more familiarity with the Batman mythos than most people. Certainly more familiarity with it before it it went wide 15 years ago. I mean, people remember the Batman TV show, but I wouldn't say that gave them a familiarity with the mythos. And uh, me, perhaps more than most, than almost everyone, in that I was a Batman obsessive as a kid. I wrote my thesis in college about the history of Batman as a pop culture icon. So I've had many thoughts over the years about Batman, the characters, the Joker, etc. Um, I'm not as engaged as I used to be. I, I wasn't 
You know, I didn't cream in my pants over Heath Ledger the way other people did. I'm having a lot of trouble figuring out what I think of this movie. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, and I certainly agree with what seems to be the wide consensus, which is that Joaquin Phoenix is very good. Yeah, agreed. co uh, I think he yeah. gives an excellent performance with an asterisk that I'll get back to. I thought the script needed another pass-through. Co-signed, agreed. Yeah, the plot, the tone was a little inconsistent. Once he qu- And w- by the way, we're going to, spoilers, we're going to give everything away. So yeah, if you're sure. the kind of person, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know what happens, turn it off now because I'm not playing that game. So, you know, once he becomes the Joker, once he goes from Arthur Fleck to the Joker, now I'm going to call him the Joker, not Joker, the Joker. Uh, I think he kind of, the tone kind of changes. That scene at the end where he is the Joker and he's on Robert De Niro's talk show, I had a lot of trouble with that scene for several reasons. And one of them was I thought the the tone of it, I kept going like, this is so absurd, the scene, and they would have cut off the cameras and all that. And then I caught myself and said, well, it's a Batman story. This crap happens in Batman's world. But then I'm like, but up until this point, it hasn't felt like it takes place in Batman's world. It's taken place in a more hyper-realistic world, a world where I can't imagine Batman existing or at least not like in any form that we've seen before. That being said, I I thought his arc to becoming the Joker was very interesting. As they commented, the the main Batman mythos inspiration was taken from was Batman the Killing Joke, which uh, the main commonality there is he was a failed stand-up comedian before that, but I think more importantly, this idea that whoever the Joker was was weak and ineffectual and pathetic in a shell, and then once he became a criminal, he discovered himself. He's like a criminal savant. And there's a wonderful scene in this movie where right after he murders people for the first time, he, he does like almost this, this balletic dance in a bathroom. Uh, I was reminded of uh, what Anthony Hopkins did in Silence of the Lambs after he murdered those security guards. Oh, yeah, good one, good one. And, you know, he's really found himself. So problems I have with the tone, I have, pro- you know, the main political debate that's happened, oh, is it going to inspire mass shooters and is it pandering to incel culture? I don't really worry about that, but I do think there's a very easy right-wing interpretation of this movie. Uh, Lower-class people are pathetic. Any lower-class person who protests and is angry at rich people is just jealous and evil and a villain and violent and out of control. You know, I wondered if we're supposed to like Thomas Wayne, sympathize with him. Yes, he punches Arthur in the face, but like, you telling me mainstream conservative Americans wouldn't feel justified and punching a guy who harasses you in a bathroom in the face? Of course, this is their dream. I wondered if we're supposed to like Thomas Wayne and ally ourselves with him. I had a similar problem with The Dark Knight Rises several years ago, which I love, but I thought it could be interpreted as a right-wing power fantasy. That said, I think Batman is not a right-wing power fantasy. I think Batman is noblesse oblige. I think Batman is the idea of using your privilege to help. So I'm a little all over the place here. I enjoyed it, but I don't really know what to think. I think it was a little soft. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to remember other stuff later, I think I would have liked this more if it had been divorced from the Batman mythos. I think if it had just been the story of a guy kind of going crazy, little character study, and not tied to, you know, someday he's going to be the Joker, I think I would have enjoyed it more, but who knows if it would have even gotten made. And the other thing is, as great as Phoenix's performance was, uh, one of the things I really disliked about the scene on the Murray Franklin show was once he's a Joker, for some reason that scene, he was... Dare I say he was playing the character, if not gay, but a little effeminate. I thought that was an odd choice. 
And I was reminded of a, um, a American pop culture archetype often known as the sissy villain. The idea that villains are effeminate, coded as, as homosexual as a way to demonize them or at least make them seem like lesser or not real men or bad. Uh, you certainly, I mean, Cesar Romero's Joker in uh, the, the 60s Batman TV series was a cardinal example of that. I mean, part of that was Cesar Romero was very gay himself. I wondered why all of a sudden Arthur Fleck had these coded gay elements in that scene. That's, that you know, disturbed it's an interesting read because I haven't heard anyone else mention that aspect of it. I, you, I, I personally you didn't, didn't see you it. Didn't, no. You didn't... No, I, he seemed a little... No, I believe you. He's I, complaining, everyone's mean and all that, but he seemed a little like... He hadn't been playing Arthur as effeminate before that at all. Now, listen, you man, you're, I mean, you're, I, you're culturally literate enough. You say something, it's not coming from nowhere. It's coming from you. I believe it. It's credible. I, yeah, I, I just... I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to accuse Joaquin Phoenix or Todd Phillips of going, yeah, now you're a bad guy. You need to be gay, you know, or even having that subconsciously. Like, I get it. He's a different person now that he's the Joker, but like... Why is he that person? Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's my long, nerdy Batman fan way of saying I liked it, but I don't know. My thoughts have been all over the place since I saw it last night. But you know what? That's a sign of a good movie if it gets you thinking. Uh, I uh, yeah, It's interesting. I, I, I think you bring up all interesting points. I um, have been sort of living in the enthusiasm of a couple of other friends' reactions. For instance, listen to the show Sky Wingfield. They did a whole podcast on Film 89 about this show, and they effused about it. Um, Sky, of course, yeah. the, the progenitor of the hot pepper concept uh, for our show two episodes <laughs> back. It elevates the things to me that were really good about it, and it makes me relegate the things that were not so great about it to me, the the softer aspects of it. I mean, it's been a few weeks, so I'm pretty concrete on where I stand, where I think Todd Phillips is a soft director. I think Todd Phillips had an idea, and I appreciate what he set out to create. I was talking about this with Noah off air, that Todd Phillips wanted to bring a lot of these Scorsesean ideas to the screen. Oh, my God. A lot of filmmakers... Is it true? Wait, is it true that when he wrote it, he was trying to entice Scorsese to direct it? Yeah, Scorsese was an early producer. He was going to be an EP on it, and then he backed off when he couldn't do it because he had too many boys. He he was doing the the Irishman movie, the the Netflix thing. But did they try to get him to direct it? I don't think he was ever going to direct it. I think he was just going to produce it. So, but he was involved with the DNA. And that's, to me, it's like, well, what would it have been like if Scorsese produced a film that completely quoted uh, entire blocks of Taxi Driver and uh, King of Comedy? I don't know. I I have to imagine Scorsese would have pushed back and smudged a little bit. But I think that Todd Phillips wears his influences on his sleeve. His movies have been funny so far because he's been a comedic director between doing Road Trip, Old School, and Due Date. There are these movies that made a lot of money as comedies, but were not not necessarily great artistic statements, nor did they show any sort of fingerprint of the artist. There's no imprimatur of the person who made them there. I know that this guy is probably a film school nerd who came up the old-fashioned way, wanted to make a splash. Picking Gigi Allen as your initial topic yeah. is par- yeah. you know, fairly hardcore. People say good things about the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I don't need to watch more Gigi Allen than I've already seen on the internet. It's fine. <laughs> I don't think Todd Phillips was the right guy to, to do this, though. No, other than the fact not. that... You know probably what's covering not. him in this case? He's got a gigantic umbrella in the personage of Joaquin Phoenix, and that Joaquin Phoenix was this atom bomb pointed at a target. The guy detonated and just covered miles and miles and miles of territory yeah. and just this radioactive fallout. The guy did everything you want yeah. to do. I have been one of these people... He really- he really made sorry to interrupt because I feel like I didn't say enough good things in my thing. He really made 
Arthur's arc. Very interesting. And as, you know, I related to it somewhat. I was a I was a little dispossessed white guy. So I related to it somewhat and I believed it. I thought it was a very compelling story of this character, at least for most of it. Not only that, it's that he was underwritten as a character. I at sometimes I heard the script trying to speak itself. And that is always the bullshit yeah. detector. Like when a when a script is saying something textually that's subtextual, that takes you right out of it. Unless you're t- unless you're yeah. a guy who likes venom or Deadpool or some movie that just chatters its way through its point from beginning to ending. But I want a script, especially one like this, I want a script to make the subtext subtext, make the text text. Don't confuse the two. Yes. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell, exactly. So the thing is, Joaquin Phoenix is a guy that you give him whatever you give him, he invents in in the marginalia of the page, he invents the character. He gives you a better arc than people saying words can give you. And he did exactly that for all the reasons you said. The balletic dance in front of the mirror after he shoots people. He, you, th- th- I think there's a very clear through line where he's communicating to you what he's doing. That's the skill of an actor. That's the skill of this guy at the particular point of career. I think he's 45 or 46 years old. He's a year or two older than we are. This movie, it's like there wasn't a lot of movie around him. So you dropped him as heavy as he was in the center, like a lead weight. And the thinness of the movie around him sort of conformed and hewed to his shape. He ran it. He ran the movie. That's why I don't think Todd Phillips, he gets credit as a director for casting and he gets credit for the arc. But I think that Joaquin Phoenix did the heavy lifting of storytelling with his body, with his face, with his meter, with his pacing. Those things made this movie better than it had any right to be. What if this had been Benedict Cumberbatch? What if any other actor (laughs) had been cast we would not be talking yeah. about this because it would have been yeah. a joke. It, it w- yes. If it had been a bad performance, the movie would have been epically awful. What if it was um, some fucking wannabe A-lister young guy getting like this, oh, man, I'm going to do this. This is my first chance. I'm going to go method. Yeah. I'm going to stretch. And it's like we're looking at it saying this is embarrassing. This looks like Suicide Squad all yeah. over again. And it didn't. It didn't happen. It's like. <laughs> it's, so what if they had cast Jared Leto in this? I mean, no diss on Jared Leto, but would he? I didn't see Suicide Squad, so yeah. what the fuck? But. Actually, I saw one Joker scene from Suicide Squad, and I didn't. I, I don't want to trash on Jared Leto because I think he's a perfectly acceptable actor. I just thought it's a tough role to play. It's a tough role to play because it's because it's iconic and because it's it's a comic book character. I don't. I don't think the the reason Mark Hamill's the best Joker and Cesar Romero's right behind him is he's not supposed to be realistic. You know, maybe that's a fatal flaw. I thought Jack Nicholson was awful. I thought Heath Ledger was pretty good but limited. Leto's a great actor. I love Leto. I think he does fantastic work. I I can't remember what I've seen him in that I liked him in, but I don't have a negative opinion of him. Yeah, and and a lot of people think of him as obnoxious because he does the whole rock and roll thing. And However, the work he's done has been incredible. And when he was announced as the Joker for that David Ayer Suicide Squad, I thought, yes, this is exactly the kind of guy you want because he gets in. He's a weird character guy. He's inventive. He's all the things that Joaquin Phoenix is. He's just not as good and has not had the right roles, even though he's got an Oscar or whatever for Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, right. I forgot. I haven't seen that. I got to see that. But my point is, is that he's exactly the kind of inventive person who puts on a whole new skin, you know, like a neoprene wetsuit. He slips into it. It's, it adheres to his body and he inhabits something else. If it was any other movie but that shitty Suicide, suicide Squad film, there would have been something there for him because he's exactly the kind of guy 
who should be playing the Joker. All right. Of all the actors who've played the Joker so far, Jared Leto is the one who actually has the build. He actually looks like the Joker. The one that we know, the Neil Adams Joker. He's as close as you get to that. Well, uh, for maybe if, that's why Joaquin Phoenix lost so much weight and his ribs were poking out. This movie was as big as Joaquin Phoenix. It was no bigger. It's a testament to his acting. And I think that all the subtext around it, all the actual text of the, the Occupy Wall Street, all that shit was super, super runny. It was like an undercooked egg. Yeah. And it's like, it didn't yeah. need any of that. And it's like, a movie like this, if you're really going to bring up Taxi Driver, you tell the story by showing it. You don't tell the story by telling right. it. And right. that's where I tripped over this. That's that's the part right. where the movie started to like, I, I choked on the movie at some points. Other times it just went down easily. Whispering, just shut the up, dude. I'm trying to like find something real. Sorry, it's, 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 only such a it's, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Why... Is this movie on everyone's lips? Why is it the biggest October opening ever, maybe? I don't know. I'm quoting from memory. Why is it? You know what I just saw? The nerds on IMDb have upvoted it enough. It is currently the number 12 most popular movie ever. Yeah, that's sensible. Now, people have too much time on their hands. Give me a break. <laughs> what are you doing? They work from home in Amsterdam. Jesus. That's what they do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, You've been all th- day clicking this. It must be number. I'm getting it to 11 by the end of the weekend. I think it's popular for very simple reasons. It is quite simply doing something in the rated R space for tent poles that other movies aren't doing. It's a novelty to have a movie that should be rated R actually get rated R and to have a studio think this will still be some sort of tent pole, even with the rated R, you know, that, that, that R rating, I should say. This is a movie that everyone wondered, are, are they going to give us a movie that looks like it's clearly so disturbing with Joaquin Phoenix playing this role with the, all the Scorsese and things and everyone's wondering, but it's going to be PG-13? That's going to just ebb away everybody's enthusiasm and it's going to be such a studio move, such a horseshit move from Warner Brothers. Instead, that never happened. It, they they actually, for some reason, Warner Brothers said, fuck it, we're going to do this. We're going to give you a rated R movie. Is this the first DC movie that's R? Yes. Was Suicide Squad PG-13? Yeah, there was no actual violence in that one. I mean, there was Dark violence. Knight was PG-13? Yes, all of them were PG-13. He stuck a pencil in a guy's eye. Doesn't matter. All PG-13. That's, that, that was the fucked right. up scale. And the only one was Deadpool. Oh, and by the way, my nephews tried to go in to see the Joker last week, Joker last weekend, and they were, they were turned away. Yeah. 15 years old, they were turned away. Yeah, come back. Sorry, kids. I don't trust that audiences can pick through all the all the things we've been talking about. Some of them can. Obviously, I'm. I, I think the people. It's a salad bar where either you're taking the Scorsese, you're talking about the Scorsese elements. You maybe you're talking about all that stuff. The right wing fantasy. Maybe that's there for you. Um, maybe you're talking about the acting, the performances. Maybe you're talking about the tone. Maybe you're talking about the staircase. You know, uh, for some reason, a film location that has not been burned yet in New York. Of like, if, there, if it's possible that there's any of those things left, there isn't something immediately photographable that that hasn't been used a hundred times. And this movie tent- got that staircase, which is kind of crazy. But I think that as a as an umbrella point, it delivered a hard R movie at a time of year where the market could withstand that. And Warner's was. Uh, rewarded for it it's like they trusted the audience the audience caught the ball and gave back to them at full velocity Mm -hmm. and that's why it made so much money i mean there there are tributaries which i'm sure you'll expand upon but i i think that it is at, at once and at least as simple as that we've been trained with comic book movies now i mean if you remember when the when the first tim burton batman movie came out they were like this is a different batman and why didn't they get adam west to play him and in the comic book industry they have been trying to make them more adult since the 70s and of course 
Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, you know, kind of pushed that through. I mean, there was other stuff around the time. There was Judge Dredd becoming more popular. There was Watchmen, of course. To quote Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns got more attention because people remember the Batman TV show. So we finally reached a point, Christopher Nolan did a lot of that, where people think of Batman and they don't think of Adam West and Biff Powell. They think of dark and serious. And sometimes it's just as juvenile when you step back. And I think that was part of this movie's problem. It had moments where it was like, ooh, look how badass it is. Underlining your point that people can accept an R-rated superhero movie, especially an R-rated Batman movie. Of course, the Joker's killing people. He's not tying up Robin and feeding him to a giant clam, right? That's... <laughs> I didn't see dude, that. Would have been, I, I, I didn't see an homage to that. That would have been great. Yeah, you know, it's popular because people like Batman, people like the Joker. I mean, there is the chaos idea right now, and that incel culture is the dark end of that. Yeah, fuck the world. I want to burn it down. You know, this is why people voted for the Orange Goblin, because they're like, yeah, fuck everyone, man. Um, I don't blame people for feeling that way. I blame people for acting on those feelings. So I don't blame people for watching Batman movies or Joker as a power fantasy. You know, the solution to problems is going out there and fucking shit up. Another thing to bring up politically with this movie, I was about to say I don't blame people for saying crazy people are violent, but I guess I do because that's an unhealthy trend we need to get away from as a society. And that's been one criticism of this movie is the the demonization of the mentally ill. That's tough. That's you a know, tough I one to get it, around, you know. It's not fair. And, and you really, you know, you feel for Arthur. I guess it's tragic that he becomes a villain. But I think that gets with what I was saying before, which maybe is a subtle point, the idea of him being the crime savant. That's who he is deep down. You know, you could see a lot of people going through Arthur's cycle and perhaps being redeemed or hurting themselves, which is really the biggest danger of, of mentally ill people is that they hurt themselves or that they attract, you know, when he's on the those kids at the beginning beat him up and then the Wall Street bros who beat him up on the train. By the way, when I say I wonder if this is a right-wing power fantasy, we're definitely not supposed to like the Wall Street guys. So that adds a little complication in it. I don't think they deserve death, but they certainly deserve to have their shit fucked up. And I know you started the f***ing share thing, Larry. I got a funny man in front of me. My name is Diva. This is not an insult. Cher, really? She's a singer, actor, dancer, fashion icon. How is that a insult? Knowing that you just stepped out of this, I want you to take the knowledge, send it back through time, implant it in your 13-year-old brain. How does that young man feel about this movie experience? I think I would have worshipped this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I would have thought it was the best thing ever. Oh, my God, it's serious. It's dark. It gets it. It gets me. People are laughing at me. I mean, I, I'm often really like breathe a sigh of relief that the internet didn't exist when I was a kid and that there wasn't this red pill incel culture because I kind of am scared sometimes that I would have been tempted by it. Probably not. My parents are good people who raised me with good values and I'm very proud of my values now and I owe them for most of that. At the very least, I would have loved the movie, even if I wasn't like actually like verbally abusing women on the internet. Uh, I think I would have thought this movie really gets culture and gets everything. And anytime someone argue with me, I go, but the Joker's a villain. We're not supposed to like him. But, you know, deep down, I still would like him. So I think I would have blinded myself to its flaws. Maybe sent angry tweets if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win an Oscar. You know, kind of 
obnoxious complaining, but nothing violent. But who knows? Again, there but for the grace of God go I. Who knows what I might have been tempted by. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have loved it. What about you? Yeah, I too would have loved it. I never picked a movie to sort of live my life by. It Movies, as much as I've loved them from an early age, never became philosophies. They, they were always, you know, experiences for art, not necessarily treatises that I got ideas from. I understand that people have plucked any number of influences from movies over the years, and I never understood how you could do that because it's it's kind of a viewing experience. It, movies get into my head and they make me feel different, but they don't change my core values. They don't infect mm. me with something else. They never have. Mm. But to your does any does any art do that to you? I mean, maybe, uh, you know, a novel so, or, or, you know, a nonfiction book. There's something that if it's a longer right. form, that's more of a, of a, a treatise. Yeah. Reading Ta-Nehisi's book, uh, Between the World and Me, was mm. huge. Like that kind of thing. That's, that, yes, that right. could definitely do something. This is not that. This is completely different mechanism, different, different endorphins, different part of my brain. However, I remember the other rated R movies that I saw at the age that I would have saw this. When I saw Aliens in 80, um, what was it, 86? That movie blew my mind. It, it was just so dark. It was so well done. It was so metal. It was so violent. It was so hopeless. It was so efficient and cold and blue and ruthless. And I'm not saying that's the first rated R movie I saw, but that was right on the cusp of being able to understand why a rated R movie was rated R. And I mean, right. to, to this day, Aliens is still one of my favorite films for a whole different set of reasons, but the underpin is still there. Remembering what it was like seeing that when I was impressionable. Like, whoa, okay, so it's a space alien movie, and it's that alien from the alien movie, but then it's all this other stuff mixed in. And people died horribly, and it was just so real looking. And it's like, yeah, man, that's the shit. And I would have been exactly in that same camp about this. It's like, wow, look at this. That's the shit. This is what it's really like. This is what the guy would look like. This he's he's you know right. like the uh, character of Arthur Fleck as essayed by Joaquin Phoenix would have been the perfect monorail ride to go to this horrific Disney World of disaster. Mm. And, hmm. you know, but that would not have made me feel like I'm alloyed by the character or his suffering. It just would have taken me to his world and I would have gotten back out of it I turned the, the minute I turned the movie off. The thing that you said at the end, which is almost like an afterthought, is more true, which is where you w would have disregarded the soft spots. Or, in my case, I wouldn't have seen them because I didn't have enough sophistication right. i didn't have enough of a critical apparatus enough of an organ to be able to pick out what were soft spots i saw a movie as a large smooth surface rather than like the surface of the brain with all the little nooks and crannies right. and as you get old well but it's the same it's the same thing you know maybe your subconscious sees them but your conscious won't let you i mean i think you're it's, you're splitting hairs it's pots, you know you're not wrong about that maybe the point we're both making it to some degree is that this is designed for like a 13 14 year old boy and that's the difference yeah. is that taxi driver wasn't king of comedy no. wasn't and this was that's why my inner adolescent gets fired up for it there's a there's a there's a hot burner going for the kind of enthusiasm but i but there's a disconnect because i'm an adult and i'm picking it apart i'm supposed to like this but you're not doing all the things that would make me like it but, yeah. but the kid inside of me really fell for it i have a, I have a card here that says three things on it and one of them may be true and one of them none of them may be true but do you mind if i read these now, things? Are things that i said <clears throat> yes you said these three things one of them None of them may be true, but I think I know one of them must this be true. This does not seem real. No, it's real. Okay, okay, let's see. You can well, set him up for that. Okay, well, ready? I don't... All right, uh, you've watched the movie Step Brothers more than any other film. Okay, 
That's number you one. want me to? Say, no, no, that's number one. Am I just listening? Yeah. Bill, is the success of Joker and in any way a sign of our cultural apocalypse? I don't think so, even though this might be the um, most potent um, spark that is in the discussion right now about this movie is that because a lot of people anticipated something dark from it. And I mean, that all comes down to the fact that that fucking asshole... Uh, James Holmes shot up a movie theater in Aurora, oh, Colorado. Don't say his name. Don't say his name. I had forgotten his name. Fuck him. It's fine. But it's like he shot up a movie theater back for Dark Knight, and this nobody would. I think nobody would be discussing a movie as a, as a um, flashpoint unless something like that had happened. And that's that's a sign of our own sickness as a, as a culture, and not necessarily the movie itself. So I didn't buy that this was going to be apocalyptic. That this is going to send incels on some sort of seek and destroy mission or anything. Bullshit. I thought as actually happened. This movie was going to come, was going to make a stir. That it made as much money as it did is a surprise. That it had, I think, two or three weekends at the top of the pile, made a lot more money than Warner's expected. That was a surprise, you know, to anybody who analyzes the industry. No, I don't think it's a sign of the apocalypse. And I almost say that triumphantly because so many people, some people, I shouldn't say so many, there was a contingent of people who thought that this was tempting fate. I don't think that movies alone do that sort of thing. Least of all a movie like this, which is a pop confection this this is spun sugar as much as anything it's just really bitter spun sugar you know what happened was that people saw this it was a thing on the news cycle people got interested because it was buzzy the next thing that happens is something buzzier comes right behind it you know it's quickly pushed out from some other bit of people went back to fucking vaping and eating mcdonald's right it's like (laughs) honestly what how is this going to overtake the cultural conversation for any longer than a week or two and yeah you know what it's a miracle that it did warner should be happy they got their investment out of it a, si- sure. a siloed culture does not guarantee that you get a sign of the apocalypse. And they kind of no. got one out of it. And that was the best thing this movie could have had going for it in the run Well, no, now they're hoping Phoenix gets an Oscar nomination. Okay. Which and, I think know, is completely plausible. I think so, And too. frankly, probably deserved. So I, I have a different answer to that question i have an answer that like yes it might be in that i mentioned earlier i would have liked this movie more if it had been divorced from batman if it had been the arthur fleck story but a who knows if it would have gotten made i mean maybe if todd but that's not why todd phillips wanted to do it he didn't want to tell the arthur fleck story he wanted to tell a joker story it certainly wouldn't be having this level of discussion i fear for the world we've talked about this where you know people complain about every movie's got to be a sequel every movie's got to have a it's got to have a, a, a reference. If we get to a point where every movie has to have an earlier cultural referent to get any kind of oxygen, I worry about that, where culture is folding in on itself. We talk about this a lot, the memification of culture, and everything becomes a reference to what came before, and nothing new can get any oxygen, and there are no new ideas, and we're just all listening to Beatles records till the end of time. I worry about that because that, that shows a, uh, a poverty of culture. Watching lots of people, my brother and um, everybody, and also just, yeah, just uh, talking to them. Um, you know, my brother and I always talk to each other and my sisters and everybody. Whenever some new script comes in the house or some new role, it's always, like, on the family family's mind mm-hmm. for the day, and we all sort of talk about it and go through it, and it, it is a big help. No, is there any tinge of envy to this movie? Uh, you and your own grease paint face, uh, do you see something here that you are somehow jealous of? Yes. 
in college, I wrote my thesis on Batman. I was the Batman guy. I was the pop cultural critic in my mind and to my circle of friends and acquaintances. I was going to be the pop culture authority on Batman and a lot of things. And the fact that Batman has entered, you know, that there are article upon article upon article, think piece upon think piece about this movie. And I am not part of that conversation. Look, I didn't pursue it that much. I did a little. Uh, the fact that I am not part of this conversation when I focus on it for more than 15 seconds makes me a little sad and a little jealous. I, I'm glad you mentioned an earlier point in this episode because I had this written in my notes. I am jealous. I am envious. But it's not on my behalf, Noah. It's on someone else's behalf. I am envious on behalf of Jack Napier, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Okay. You said you you thought he was terrible. And again— I I thought he was chewing scene. By the way, in the bathroom after the show last night, overhearing two guys talking about the movie, they said, yeah, he was good, but I like Jack Nicholas's version better. (laughs) I like his lemonade iced tea drink. I like like Arnold Palmer as the penguin better. (laughs) I, uh, I, and, and, and Sky Wingfield, friend of the show too, has um, taken his uh, bat at his cricket bat, as it were, to '89 Batman. Say what you will about that movie. I think it was incredibly formative for me, but I, I love yeah. the shape of the movie today. And that was the first live action Joker we had since Romero. It did a great job of blasting the mold and setting it aside. It was also Nicholson's creation of the Joker, too. And in, in the same way that these actors who get their hands on the Joker do something different with it. I mean, there's a similarity in that they go big, but they go big differently. And I will always love the Nicholson Joker. And I will get bitter that people aren't discussing it in purely laudatory terms that they're still they're, they're talking about the other jokers now i thought that heath ledger i'll give you one but now that we have two guys have come out within a decade of each other and are going to do oscar nominator work it's like now it's starting to get crowded and i feel like people are not seeing the benefit <laughs> of nicholson's joker i take that personally i don't want to say he was terrible I, I, he was fine i rewatched that movie about six months ago and you know yes it deserves a lot of credit for breaking things open there were good things about it I preferred Batman Returns, but that's a whole other story. So, Noah, having said all that, um, we will pull out our anti-Kythera mechanism, our ancient cog-in-wheel machine, the Felonian scale, the ultimate measuring device invented by the ancient Greeks, set one topic of our show against another. And, of course, as we all know, Jimmy Fallon, the god of sulfur, is on one end, the man who owns all of uh, anti-life and death. And on the other side of the scale is everything great that we love. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, candy apples and hayrides and all that stuff. Hayrides. On that scale, Noah, where, where does this movie fall on the Felonian scale? I think this is nearish the top in that even with all its flaws in that, you know, a, a problem with so much of what we look at, especially the, the art quote unquote, is that it's just dumb and there's not a lot of effort put into it. You know, the, the well, Belle Delphine had a streak of interestingness, but the, the Markiplier and the, the my brother, my brother and me and all this stuff, like even when it's amusing, it's, there's nothing there. There's true. nothing beneath the surface. Yeah, true. And as I said before, for all this movie's flaws, it gets you thinking. Uh, that's really something of value and something we really need and maybe the anti-apocalypse, right? I'm going to put this pretty high. I'm going to say this is like seven-eighths of American Vandal. Ah, I like you know? it. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to, I like to, it. to equate it to something not artistic, it's like at metal straw level. So I would put this on the same par as Bob Burnham. 
And I think I think really using your math. I would oh, I think Bo Burnham's a lot more interesting. Than I this. think that, and I'll give you I'll give you my rationale for this. Okay, Bo Burnham is a very well done thing, but at the same time, and this is just a comment on Bo Burnham from where I stand. Bo Burnham purports to be deeper than I feel like he actually is. I'm not saying he doesn't have layers. Hmm. I think okay. that Bo Burnham is ascribed a lot of positive, a lot more positive characters than perhaps he's earned yet. Other people see depths and layers that I don't. And I think that is the perfect explanation of how I am coming to Joker, where I am enjoying it greatly. I think there's a lot of art. I think it's a success overall. But there's some missing connection where I'm looking at it and thinking, you guys are seeing something else here, a little more deliberation than I can detect. Okay. All right. Take us home, my friend. Well, here is home, the promised land. And that is a vast field of past episodes, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. I am on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And Noah? Uh, big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, corporate and private trivia events nationwide, blah, blah, blah. Uh, at Big Quiz Thing, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Noah Tarno, Twitter. So until such a time when I end Noah's failing state of career by belting him across the chops on top of a vat of chemicals and thusly turning him into a pale, green-haired supervillain for all of our times with someone well-versed in trivia, I don't think we get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2019.